Good morning, everyone. What an exciting day it is. Can we just thank the Lord for his presence here today? Those that are getting baptized and just so exciting. Glad, glad that you're here today. Just before we jump into God's word today, we want to welcome all those that come today once again to watch the baptism and just so, so excited about new life. And one of our, our core values here at, at Living Word is, is, is the word of God, that everything we do is surrounded by and in the word of God. And one of those things is, is speaking about new life, that, that Jesus came to bring new life to take our sins upon himself, to take all our cares, all our worries, all our shame, all our guilt upon himself. And then in return, he gives us a brand new life, that that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And what baptism is, it's a new creation that we die to ourselves, we die with Christ, and we're risen with him through the power of his resurrection. And what we believe is that Jesus is alive today. That's why we come to church. Uh, That's why we celebrate. That's why we lift our hands because we are so excited that Jesus is alive and that we will see him one day. And our desire for you here today, if you've come and, and you're new, is that you would know Jesus and the Savior who came to give his life for you. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And next week, I've got my Christmas message about why did Jesus come? Why did God come in flesh? And so I'm real excited about that next week and the whole meaning and the reason uh, for Christmas and God coming to earth. So we are so glad that you're here today. And just before we jump into God's word, I just want to pray for you. Maybe you've come into this place with a lot of heavy burdens. Um, maybe just your past, maybe your guilt, uh, all this stuff that can be such heavy burdens in our life. I want you to realize that Jesus is our burden bearer. The word of God tells us to cast all our cares and our burdens at his feet because he cares for us today. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you, he cares for you, and that you're never, ever alone. That's why I love the church. We are not perfect. Can we all say amen? We got our stuff, don't we? We got our stuff. But we've got Christ, and he shows us his grace and his mercy And he loves us with that grace and mercy, and he receives us with all our stuff. So um, I just want to pray for you and just pray for our service and pray for God's grace in your heart and your life today. So would you just, just agree with me in prayer? Father God, I just thank you for this time, for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. We believe it's living and it's active. We believe it's your word. It's not the word of men. It's inspired by you, given to men, so that we can be instructed on what your will is, and what your desire is for our lives and our hearts. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that just come in with just heavy burdens. It could be financial. It could be relational. Whatever that burden might be, God, I pray that they would know that you love them, that you care for them, and we just lay these at your feet today. So we thank you, God, for this time. I thank you, Lord, for the church family, God, and for caring for each other. And so, Lord, just open up our ears to hear what you would have us hear today through your word. And we just want to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. For we ask all these things in no other name but the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Um, We have been in a series in the book of James. This is our 13th week. So for all of you that have sat through 13 weeks, God bless you. So uh, this is our last week. And we're going to look at the power of words today. And what we're going to look at today in James chapter 4 and and a verse in James chapter 5 is that our words have meaning and our words have power. 
And what James is going to drive at today, what we're going to learn today as we read God's word, is James is going to show us how important our words are and that our words are a reflection of our relationship with Christ. That what we say and how we treat each other is a direct reflection of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So if we don't use our words correctly, if our words are spiteful and hurtful and used for destruction, but yet we say that we follow Jesus, there's a disconnect with what we understand about God's grace and mercy in our lives. And this is what James is dealing with. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader in the Jerusalem church. And he writes this letter to the church to help them to walk in unity. There were some in the church that claimed to be Christians or followers of Jesus, but they weren't actually living it out in their lives. They were judging each other. They were saying things that were were causing division within the church. And, And James speaks directly to this on how we can walk in unity and how our words do have power to either unite or destroy. And what I want us to see is just to get a little glimpse in our hearts today. How many of you, you ever prejudge someone without ever really getting to know them? You kind of judge them from the outward appearance. Anyone ever done that before? Okay, more than six of you, okay? You watching online, you better raise your hands. We've, we've all done that. A couple years ago, Kathleen and I were in New York City. Pray for Kathleen. She got that nasty bug. Oh, I feel so bad for her. God bless her, my poor wife. And pray that I don't get it. But anyways, um, uh, I don't want to get it either. Um, we were in New York City. We were on the subway, and we had to go pretty long distance on the subway. So we're on the subway, I'm sitting there, and, and, and you're, and like, I, I'm, I observe people. How many of you are observers? You go to the mall, I just sit there, and I'm like, what's that person's story? What's their deal? You ever, you ever do that? I'm just an observer, and I'm on, I'm on the train. Of course, I am totally out of my element, right? Rochester, don't get the big city life thing. So I'm on the subway, and I'm just, I'm tense. Kathleen goes, would you relax? I'm just like, something's going to go down. Something's going to go down. I'm just, I'm just, something's going to happen. I've read too many bad stories. So I'm sitting there, and you're watching everybody walking in, just going, okay, this person, they can sit next to me if they want to. You're like, you're judging everybody walking through the doors, right? And sure enough, somebody walks through the door, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. This person looks rough, tough. They look like an axe murderer. Please, God, don't. Sure enough, where do they sit? Right next to me. Right, just saddled up. Right, like, okay, I see you. There, right right next to me. So I'm kind of nervous. So what I did was I just had Kathleen sit in between us and the man. <laughs> felt much better. Felt much safer. Uh, so... We're sitting there, and I'm just praying we get to the next stop, right? Just that nothing's going to go down. So I'm like, I hope this guy doesn't kill me. I hope he did nothing goes down. And so we didn't know where to get off. We're like, what stop do we get off? So there's a map right behind me, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, I think we need to get off on this stop. And so I'm talking to Kathleen out loud. Meanwhile, the guy turns next to me, and he says, oh, you need to get off on this street. Very nice person. Wonderful person. Shook my hand. Enjoy your stay in New York City. I'm like, does this guy work for, you know, the mayor? I mean, it was just, it was... Totally prejudged it. And we all do that, don't we? We tend to prejudge without knowing the whole story. And and in this study, um, in the book of James, and specifically that we're going to look at in chapter 4, we're going to look at how not to judge one another. How do we rightly speak to each other without judging each other or without slander? And is there a right way 
to do it. And so what James is doing is he's speaking to those who are taking advantage of others and not walking in the humility of Christ. And what we've learned about the book of James is that our belief should drive the way we believe. Not only the way we believe, but, but, but our belief should drive the way that we live and we should treat one another correctly. So what James deals with is our speech in this section. So I want you to consider a couple things. As we dive into the verse today, I want you to consider a couple things. Does our speech match what Christ desires for us? Does it match? Does it complement each other? And secondly, how we speak about each other reveals much more about what's going on in our hearts. So that our words have meaning. We should never just shrug it off by saying, my words have no meaning and it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And our words can curse or our words can bless. And even though we're all different and we all have different opinions, the integrity and the unity of the church is at stake by how we treat each other and the words we use to encourage each other. And so James, as we're going to see right now, James is very pointed. His words are sharp because he doesn't want the church to be destroyed because of our lack of understanding of how important our words are. And so I want you to listen to what James says here. We're going to look at verse 11 and 12 in chapter 4 and then verse 12 in chapter 5. James says this, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Going on in chapter 5, verse 12. Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear or do not make an oath by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. So here's the word of the Lord. Here's, here's what James is saying. We need to take careful consideration of what we are saying. And so listen, as we've been going through the book of James, it would seem like it's a lot of do's and don'ts. However, it's much more than just what not to do and what to do. It's easy to think that as we read through the word of God or maybe even sit through a message, that it's easy to think that it's always for somebody else. And what James is saying, we need to look at our own hearts first. We need to walk with humility. And this church, these people in this church needed to be corrected. But we must ask ourselves, how am I changing? Am I dealing with people correctly? And this is the point of this passage. If we are not careful, we can easily fall into the trap that this is for somebody else. Have you ever done that where you're reading God's word? You're like, man, this, this person really needs to hear this. They're dealing with this, so then you text them and say, listen, the Lord just laid you on my heart, you know, and I know you're struggling with this, so here's a verse for you, right? Or, or you sit in a, in a service and you hear something that's spoken on, you're like, man, I wish so-and-so were here to hear this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to nicely send them the message and say, listen to this because you really need to hear this because this is what you're struggling with, right? So here's what James is saying. We need to take careful look at our own hearts. We can read the word of God and think, boy, I wish so-and-so were here. But this is the problem that James is dealing with. There were some in the church that weren't taking the word of God to their heart. 
to their heart. So James is telling us we need to hear God's word and apply it to our heart. We can say, even as the church, that the world is full of slanders and backbiters, but we can tend to do the same thing in the church too if we're not careful. And so we need to ask ourselves a couple questions. How is God dealing with my secret sins? How is God dealing with my secret sins? And the point is that we must first preach the gospel to ourselves. That we must come under its correction first. It's, it's very, very easy to look at it for everybody else and not myself. And so our, the question we need to ask ourselves is, what is my private life like? How is my marriage? How is my relationship with my children? See, these are all things that many people may not see that we can disguise very easily through a lot of religiosity. But these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves. Are we teachable? Are we open to correction? Do we get defensive when we are corrected? Do we make excuses for our wrong behavior? I remember I was listening to a pastor one time, author, has written many, many great books. His name is Paul Tripp, and he was having an issue in his marriage, and he shared this story about his relationship with his wife. And he says, you know, many times I would come home, and I was just angry, and I was upset. And his wife would see that. And she tried to talk to him about, like, his anger and, and being upset all, all the time. And he would just push her off and just blow it off. To one day, it just came to an apex, and God really spoke to his heart. And what he did was he, he fell into the trap of thinking because he was a counselor that he wasn't the same as the people that he was counseling. He thought he was beyond them. And what the Lord revealed to him is he said, Paul, you are more like the people that you counsel than you're not. See, this is what we need to realize. God, your word is for me. I need to take this to heart. And those that were in the church that James is writing to didn't take that to heart. They thought they were above everyone else. So when James tells us not to slander one another, what does he mean? I think we have a misunderstanding of this. I think many times we think of slandering someone as just speaking evil of them, which it can mean that, or maybe telling lies or gossiping about someone. It can mean that. Paul Swamidas gives a pretty good definition of slander, and he says this, any derogatory statement, true or untrue, to diminish and or harm another person intentionally or unintentionally is slander. That's a pretty good definition. Now, James obviously means that we shouldn't tell lies about one another or we shouldn't say half-truths about one another. He's, he's, he means that also. But James' main thought when he uses the word slander, is when we actually speak the truth to someone. I never thought of it that way. And in my study, this came out, and I thought, this is really good. So I am so glad you're here today, and I'm so glad you're watching online. This is so interesting, and I believe this is going to help us not only as a church to protect the unity of the body, but in our relationships also. This is interesting. James is not talking about lying about someone else. Listen to how James uses the word slander in the Greek. This is what it means. It says, you can share something that is entirely ac accurate and truthful and still be slandering and judging someone. Whoa. Everybody say, whoa. Okay, whoa. Okay, that's good. See, what James forbids is using, he's not saying don't speak the truth. 
We are to speak the truth. That's important. But the truth can become a very dangerous thing if we don't handle it correctly. We believe that God's word is truth. And many times we use God's words and its truth and what it means in a way that doesn't restore people. And we have to be careful of that. Because when we have the truth, that can be in our holster, just waiting to come out. I got the truth. And I got the truth over this person. James is saying that's slander when you have that type of attitude. So what James does is he's using the truth in a certain way. James condemns in how we use the truth. How are we using the truth? And he tells us not to do it with a condescending attitude, that I'm better than you. When we speak to someone, it's not belittling the other person. It's not speaking down to the other person. Literally, it means to deflate the other person. So we can use the truth to humiliate and deflate someone and not redeem them. That is such good preaching right there. Can I just get an amen from anyone out there? One or two people. Great, thank you. Amen. So here's the thing. This, this is, how many of you have ever been in a conversation where you were corrected by somebody and you walked away and you felt humiliated? Did they not speak the truth? Yeah. But you walked away feeling humiliated, shamed, and not edified, not, not restored. Listen, could Jesus not have come to earth and just pointed out all our sins and then leave us there. See, what Jesus does is he comes and gives his life for our sins. He doesn't whitewash them, but he dies to them. He who was perfect and without sin died for your sin so that we could be made right before God. If that doesn't humble you, nothing else will. Jesus, the word of God says, comes full of truth and grace, hand in hand. I think we can do a good job with the truth because we can leverage the truth to be one up on somebody. Grace humbles you because you realize you didn't earn it, deserve it, or merit it. This is what James is trying to get across here in this passage. So it's not deflating the other person. The word slander means to belittle. That's what it means in the Greek. James says that we are slandering when we judge or speak down to someone, even when it's the truth. And here's what we do. We can hide our slander behind the truth. And James says, nope, you can't do that. So when is slander a temptation? Well, here's how slander can be a temptation. We can easily judge and slander someone to punish them and not care about redeeming them. The temptation is just to tell the truth, to punish someone without the mindset of, I need to share this truth because the ultimate goal is I want someone to be redeemed. I want this relationship to be restored. Listen, when we tell the truth, do we punish or do we redeem? Do we care about the relationship or do we just care about being right? Many times we just want to be right and make the other person feel small. That's what the word slander means. Slander speaks down about others and then takes the moral high ground. 
Slander makes the other person feel small. So the question is, are we willing to tell the truth to help others or to feel morally superior? So let's just do a little test. You want to take a test this morning? You ready? Let's take a little test to see if we have a little bit of a judgmental spirit in us. Are you ready? These are going to be fun. Are you guys ready? All right. So we're going to take it. Yeah, good. I'm glad you guys are with me. You guys are like, I'm so glad I came to church today. So let's see if we got a little bit of a judgmental spirit. So here's what a judgmental spirit can tend to do. A judgmental spirit can tend to jump to conclusions without understanding all the facts. Jumps to conclusions, fills in the gaps. A judgmental spirit can do this also. Uh, When we believe everyone around us is wrong and they need to be told so. Right? (laughs) If you have a spirit that is consistently fault-finding, you might have a judgmental spirit. Constantly fault-finding. Every stinking thing that you see, you got to find something wrong with it. Okay, just, just checking it. Just, just might be a sign that you've got a judgmental spirit. A judgmental spirit not only enjoys telling people about their faults, but they enjoy hearing about others' shortcomings. And here's where we need to be careful. When you hear something, something that's juicy, something that's, you know, gossip, what's your first thought? Do your ears look like, oh, 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 tell, oh, tell me more. What's going on there? And see, what we do is the proclivity of our heart is to enjoy that. We've got to guard our hearts against that without really knowing. Because what we're, what we're doing is speaking about other people when we don't have all the facts and figures, we sabotage them. We can easily sabotage their character. And James is warning us against this. Listen, we may not like what others do, but where we need to stop is when we speak about other people to someone else without speaking to that person. We have to do all we can to guard the integrity and the unity of the church because the enemy wants any open door. He wants to put his foot in any open door to bring division within the body. See, a judgmental spirit will make uninformed statements about someone to another person, uninformed statements about someone else. And we assume something about someone that might not be true that might not know the heart of that person or why that happened. This is where we need to catch ourselves and we need to guard our hearts. Do we take joy in someone's downfall? We may look at another ministry or another church and think, well, we may not like what's going on there or whatever, and we may think to ourselves, well, it's only a matter of time before something happens in that church. And if it does happen, we may say to ourselves, well, I saw that coming. That's a judgmental spirit. That's a judgmental spirit. It's putting ourselves above. See, the reason why we like this is because it makes us feel righteous. See, our first is our first thought this, and this is where we guard our hearts against this. Do we pray? Do we pray for healing and restoration, or do we just make judgment calls? This is what James is getting at. This is why slander is so dangerous, because of where it comes from. It doesn't come from a place of humility. It comes from very dark places, jealousy, arrogance, selfishness, selfish desires, and pride. That's where it comes from. 
And this is where the gospel crushes those attitudes. And this is why James is so adamant that we be careful with what we say and how we speak the truth in love. We need to do all we can to guard our hearts against slander. Paul writing to the church in Colossae says this, you used to walk in these ways. This is the way you used to be before you knew Christ, before you were obedient to him. This is what you were like in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all these things such as anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. Don't live that way because all these things will destroy the integrity of the unity of the church. So I want you to see it goes so much deeper than not speaking evil of someone. James gives the reason. James tells us that when we slander someone, we actually speak against the law of God. What did James mean by that? James says there's only one lawgiver, there's only one judge, and that's God himself. I love in Sam Alberry's commentary what he says about this. I want you to listen closely because this is so good. And why we need to be careful that when we speak slander against someone, we're actually speaking it against God and, and him being the lawgiver. This is what Sam Alberry says. He says, the law calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves and not to judge them or trample all over them to fulfill our own desires. When we do so, we exempt ourselves from God's law. We say, in effect, that it doesn't apply to our treatment of this person in this situation, that we are excused from its, from its obligations, and that in this instance, we know better than God does. We cannot slander the law without slandering God. That's why James is so adamant and serious about how we speak about one another. James reminds us that our slander is not just against someone else, but ultimately against God, who will judge, and will will judge the intentions of our heart. So if we can't stop slandering or speaking evil against someone, something is wrong with our understanding of the gospel message. There is a disconnect with the gospel message and how it's applied to our hearts. In so many words, this is what God is telling us. Who do you think you are speaking that way about someone? The gospel checks us. Because we must measure ourselves against the gospel and not other people. We must never measure our righteousness by others' wrong behavior. See, we want to measure our righteousness and how good we are by other people. That if we measure up to someone who's not that good or bad behavior, it makes me feel a lot better about myself. This is, this is not the gospel message. This is not the gospel message. The gospel tells us that we are helpless and in need of a savior. The gospel message humbles us because it gives us a correct view of ourselves, that we don't put ourselves in the seat of judgment because we're not smart enough. And we understand through the gospel message that God is the only judge. I just want you to understand this to help us to get along. Because listen, we all have our opinions, don't we? We all do. I mean, how many of you, just in your own family and your marriages, you just get along perfectly and you always agree on everything and everything is just perfectly wonderful in your homes? Anybody out there? No one. We all have our... We, we, we struggle to get along. We struggle against our flesh and wanting our own way. We struggle through these things. 
And in our struggle, we need the grace of God to help us. And God peers into our hearts and he sees the things that we do or the things we're supposed to do and we don't do or the things we say to one another. And here's what God does for us. He applies his grace to our hearts by saying, you can come to me and find forgiveness. That's what he does. He could easily judge us and leave us condemned, but he actually did something. He took our condemnation upon himself on that cross so that we could have a right relationship with God the Father, that through Christ Jesus, we can find righteousness and be made right before a holy God. Just remember that you are an object of God's love and mercy. That's why he sent his son. Just remember that every person has a story, that they got stuff in their life, And the reason why they may be doing whatever they're doing is maybe because of just the hurt and the pain and they need healing in their lives. Now, this doesn't mean that we should never speak into each other's lives. We should speak into each other's lives, but not one that's above everyone else or that I'm above you, but that we're both on the same footing that we love each other and we speak that truth in love, not that we're better, not to shame the person, not to guilt the person, but to restore the person. This doesn't mean we overlook wrong behavior. We must speak to it. But James is not saying that we should never make a moral evaluation. We should. What he is saying is to watch the way you do it and to guard your heart and to juxtapose your life against the gospel message each and every day, and it will humble you. The love of Christ will overwhelm you. The grace of God will overwhelm you. So that when you speak to someone else, you're doing it in love and in truth, and there's a balance. Because we care about restoring people, not just guilting people and shaming them and leaving them in their guilt, but restoring them to a right relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus. We need to remember that we deserve God's wrath. We don't deserve grace yet through Christ Jesus. He saves us from the judgment of God. Jesus came to take our judgment that we might find forgiveness. Remind yourself that you are a sinner that's in need of grace. We all are, every single one of us. So let's not slander each other. Let's not, let's not take that high moral position over someone else. Let's remember that we're all in need of God's grace. And let's apply that grace as, as we speak the truth into one another's lives. That's how Jesus treats us. So you say, okay, Pastor Bard, how do I deal? It's Christmas time. I know I'm going to face that relative that I only see once a year. And I don't want to see him. What do I do? Because... The rest of the year, I can ignore them, but I know they're going to be at that party. I know they're going to be at that gathering. For, for those of you that go to work and you've got to run to that person that just rubs your fur the wrong way and you've got to see him every day, what do you do? You just ignore him? How do I deal? You know, I just can't stand them. they got a mouth. They're, they're just, you know, I, you know, when I pray for them, I just pray, God, you know, they're going to hell in a handbasket. Just save them, right? That's your prayer, right? You just, you don't want to deal with these people. So how do we deal with truth and love according to the way James is telling us. You ready? Here's the answer. I'm going to shut up and we're going to baptize some, some, some people today. I'm excited about that. So how do we do this? How do we do this? When you pray for someone that you don't agree with or you see what they're doing, 
and you just want to speak the truth because you see it and you got that in your holster and you just want to let them have it and probably they deserve it. How do we do it without slander? Here's how you do it. You ready? I'm so glad you're here this morning. You pray for them. Okay, so how do I pray? Do I pray this way? God, just open their heart, their immoral horrible, ugly, evil heart, God, and just save them. Is that that how you pray? No. God already knows that. Here's how you pray. You ready? You call them out by name and you ask God to change your heart for them. You ask God, God, give me your, I can't do it without your grace and without your mercy. And as I pray for them, God, change my heart so I have your wisdom and your love so that when I do speak to them, that doesn't mean some of these relationships are just toxic. And I'm not saying you're going to be best friends. It's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you pray for God's redemptive work in their heart by you praying, say, God, just change my heart. Let me see with your eyes and you pray for them by name and let God deal with them. But first, let God deal with your heart. And you know what he's going to do? Because it's much easier to love people that are lovable. It's much easier to, to pray for people that love on you and agree with you and uh, agree with all your, your opinions, right? Much, but those that don't. And I never want you to forget this. Never forget this. That Jesus washed the feet of Judas, who he knew full in advance that he was going to betray him. Jesus still bowed down and washed his feet and said to him, do what you must do. Remember Jesus dying on the cross when he cried out, Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus still reaching out to the two thieves next to him. He could have called down curses to heaven from the two thieves, whatever they did, the most horrible things because the crucifixion was just reserved for that. He could have done that, but there was one that called out to him. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen, there is always room for God's grace and restoration in somebody's heart. Never stop praying for that. Because when you pray for those people, when you pray for those that you don't agree with, God gives you a deeper understanding and a deeper understanding of his love and what he did for us. Let's never forget that. Amen? All right. So let's guard our hearts. So when you're in a conversation with somebody and you feel like it's going down the slander route, guard your heart. Ask yourself this, God, is this redemptive or is this destructive? Is this going to help this situation or is this going to destroy this situation? Is this helping bring in unity to the church or destruction? Even as we speak the truth, are we doing it in God's grace and love with humility? That protects the integrity of the church and our relationships. And, let's, and, and it lets God do what he needs to do. Let's be a praying church. Amen? Let's keep praying for each other. You pray for me, because I'm a train wreck, okay? You pray for me. Keep praying for me.
as I lead this church. I want God's heart for this church more than anything else. And I don't want anything to come to this church that's going to destroy what Jesus is trying to do. So you need to pray for me. Amen? Pray for the pastors. Because Pastor Brandon, Pastor Matt, and Jesse, they got to put up with me. So just pray for them too. But let me pray for you because some of you are in some difficult situations. And you need God's heart. You need God's heart. Some of you are battling with some things in your heart that you know aren't, aren't right and it's been approached to you and you're, you're fighting against it. Let God's love overwhelm you and humble you today. Let him humble you today through the power of his Holy Spirit. So let me pray for you today. Father God, I, I come before you today. This was a hard word, God, for all of us, myself included. Lord, we've all have failed in this area at one time or another and we need your help. We need the Holy Spirit's wisdom in our life. And Lord, as we just bow before you for this moment. We're thinking about that person that we need to pray for that's, that's even hard for us to even speak on our lips. But Lord, we lift that person up to you because they need your redemption. They need your healing. Lord, they need your forgiveness. Help us, Lord, as we pray to expand our love and your grace in our hearts as we do that. Lord, keep us from slanderous tongues that would divide and hurt and help us, Lord, to do all we can to build your church because the name of Jesus is at stake. So thank you for this word today. I thank you for the church. I thank you for living word. I thank you for those that are here today. I thank you for those that are going to be baptized. Lord, we give you the glory for that. We thank you, God, for what you've done in their hearts and their lives. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. It's, it's about those that have come into your kingdom who you have changed and forgiven and given a new life through the name of Jesus. And we celebrate with them today. Thank you, Jesus, for changed lives. Thank you that we're never a lost cause with you, Jesus. Thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you for your grace today. We give you the glory. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Man, I'm going to let.